Lifespring number 80. there. <laughs> What's going on? Well, first off, let me tell you, I'm Steve Webb and I'm host of the Lifespring family of podcasts. This episode of Lifespring is different than any you've heard yet. I'm introducing a brand new show here today. Now, this is the only time that this show, this podcast, this new show, this new podcast will be sent out on the regular Lifespring feed. Uh, you're used to hearing Lifespring, In Touch With God's Character, and the Lifespring Weekend Music Show all on this same feed for now. But today, this show, this is the only time it's going to be on this feed. If you like what you hear, you'll have to subscribe to the feed for this particular show. And, of course, I will have a link on the show notes page at LifespringPodcast.com. And I'll be back later this week with a regular edition of Lifespring. So, let's get started with Welcome to Lifespring Sunday. I'm Steve Webb, host of the Lifespring Family Podcast, like I said. Now, there are four podcasts in our family. The first was the original Lifespring podcast, and it, of course, was the very first Christian podcast that's not based on repurposed church sermons. They average about 35 minutes in length. It's a show that I produce on Mondays and release early on Tuesday mornings. The second show in the Lifespring family of podcasts is In Touch with God's Character. Those are short podcasts looking at the many aspects of God's character as shown to us by Scripture. Each episode of In Touch is a little more than three minutes. And then, of course, the third show in the family is the Lifespring Weekend Music Show, which I produce on Friday nights. I bring about a 40-minute collection of great music to you for your weekend enjoyment. We just have fun on that show. And now we're adding another member to the family. The church I attend is called Lifespring. What do you know? Um, the pastors at our church share preaching responsibilities. They're really good pastors, good preachers, and the senior pastor is Mel Bennett. The associate pastor is Steve O'Brien, who happens to be one of my best friends and is also a brother-in-law of mine. Now, for more information on Pastor Mel or Pastor Steve, you can check out the church website at lifespringonline.com. Like, like I said, both of these guys are really good preachers, and... Um, I'm really happy to be able to share their preaching with you now on the feed, on their on its own feed, I should say. So, let's get into today's uh, message. Today it's Steve O'Brien. Well, we're going to start the message already in progress. Steve has just made the statement that life is sometimes difficult. That's all there is to it. It just stinks. It doesn't go the way I want it to go. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I suffered a, a failure not too long ago, and I'm going to talk to you about it. And this is unusual because I do not, first of all, I, am, I do not like talking about my failures. That's one thing. Number two, um, I don't want anybody to, to, to ever see me fail. I just don't want, to, you know, want that to happen. I'm just a little bit uh, proud that way, and, and I like to say that in many parts of my life I have had success uh, in my uh, chaplaincy, in my, in my, um, 
in my preaching sometimes and in my, I've had successes. But I'm going to talk to you today about dealing with failure. <laughs> I searched the internet yesterday to look for an illustration for my sermon. I found, uh, I'm going to read something to you because this is very difficult for me to say to you. Um, I found that a fresh and recent experience that caused great personal stress and embarrassment was very difficult to to think about. Um, Nothing was as fresh as this embarrassment to me. While preparing to preach this week, I couldn't believe my spiritual ears when God began to impress on me that my experience was something that the Lord wanted me to share with you. I looked for three days for something else to preach, but when the Lord asked for something, the light of inspiration in other areas seems non-existent. So here goes. For what it's worth to you, this was my experience. As a part of the military, I'm responsible for my own fitness for duty. Part of the measurement of that fitness is called the fit-to-fight test. Uh, at a minimum, it's taken annually. Part of that test, now not all of it, but part of that te- I should first tell you that the first part of that test, I am so successful. Okay, I can do as many push-ups and sit-ups as required. As a matter of fact, when I did my push-ups and my sit-ups, I got up, and you, you're supposed to do 40 in a minute push-ups. And 45 in a minute. And when I was doing it, I was sitting in the midst of a bunch of athletes and a bunch of people. That, and I did those push-ups 40 in 45 seconds. Turned around, sat down, and watched the others finish. Some who did not finish. Okay. And then I got to the sit-ups. And the sit-ups, no problem. I have a short body. They held my feet. I was like, like this, you know. 45, no problem. Turned around, sat, and I waited for everyone else to finish. Now there's the waist measurement. They came, and I've been working on it. And they measured my waist. And it was a half inch lower than even what I thought it was going to be. Victory! Hallelujah! I was excited. I won't tell you what it was, but it was lower (laughs) than what it was supposed to be. But the part that I have so much difficulty with was to come next. And I have always, all my life, in junior high and high school, in college, been a sprinter. I sprint extremely fast. I was on the 440 team in junior high school. I ran the 100-yard hurdle relays. I'm sorry, not hurdle relay. The hurdle uh, sprint, 100-yard sprint. Now, you can think, that's a picture if you want to look at it. And, you know, uh, know, because the hurdles come to here. Okay, they were pretty high. How I was successful was I ran so fast in between that it didn't matter how long it took to float over the... You know, okay, I've always been a sprinter and I've never, ever, ever, ever been good at running long distance. Well, the military does not seem to care that I'm good at sprinting and not good at long, long distance. And so part of the test is a mile and a half run. Okay, 
And uh, I got into, um, uh, into the, out of the gym, and we're walking over to the mile-and-a-half run, and I could feel my chest tightening. I could feel my head start uh, throbbing. I knew it was coming, and I was nervous, even though for three weeks solid I had been preparing. Okay, um, And I got out there, and I began to run. And I hit my first lap, and I, I had measured it out. All I have to do is do each lap at three minutes and ten seconds. And I have a stopwatch on my arm as I'm running. And I ran the first lap, and I got around, and I'm puffing, but I, but I got around at three minutes and 15 seconds. And I said, that's doable. Yeah, okay. But by the, um, by the end of the second lap, I was puffing so hard, and my heart was throbbing in my head. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to run this thing, and I am just falling behind, and I'm not doing well. Honestly, I'm not doing well. I'm just, and everybody is around the track. They have people stationed at each corner of the track. And what they're doing is they're encouraging you. Come on, chaplain. You can do it. It's all right, buddy. Pick up. Let's do it. You know, and I'm, you know, as much as I appreciated that, (laughs) when I'm not doing so well, it was such an irritating sound. Like, shut up. I'm not doing well. Yeah, I know what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. <laughs> yes. Fitting, isn't it? And I get to the end of the race, and you know what? My, uh, there, I was three stinking minutes beyond what I was supposed to be. Three minutes. Not three seconds, three minutes beyond. And you know what? All my athletic buddies that are around me that saw me do the push-ups and the set-ups, uh, <clears throat> you know what they did? They all, I saw it. All their heads went, oh. because they knew it was coming. See, that's not the embarrassing part in front of my friends. Because what happened was, because I had failed at that, um, I had to go back to my office. And when I got in my office, my, I, I just didn't want to see anybody. I just did not want to see, don't, just isolate myself. And I don't want to see anybody. And I pulled up my grade on the, the computer. It was already on the computer by the time I got back. And then I got an email from, from the boss. Actually, from the, uh, the guy that was doing the grading on the running. And he says, um, we're going to have a meeting at 2 o'clock for you and a few other people. Okay? Now, if you know anything about Steve O'Brien, you know that public humility is worse than anything that I could ever go through any time. You know what? If you want to come tell me something, tell me in private, and I'm cool. Okay, you know, I'll change whatever you want me to change or I'll try to do my best to be the person you want me to be. But if you do it in public, it is not my uh, I don't do well. They asked me to come down to the meeting. I shuffled my feet as I got to the room, walked in the door and there were five other people in the room with me. 
okay? And uh, the first words out of his mouth were, this is an intervention. Intervention? I'm not on drugs. <laughs> Give me a break. Intervention. And he, we all sat around the table, and, he, and the first thing he handed me was a letter from the general, the two-star general. And the letter said, because of your poor score in the fitness test, you are now entered into a program for six months to train and get the run down to where you can or get the, okay, whatever it is, all my score up. Okay, and he personally signed it, which was not just embarrassing, it was really embarrassing. Okay, the second letter that he gave to me was this. I had to sign a paper that said, I understand that I have failed the test and uh, I am now in a program to train and retrain and, and to get a better score in the test. Okay, not only did I have to sign that, but then I had to give it back to the man and he took it back to the general and the general signed the top of it saying that he knew that I knew that I had failed. (laughs) Needless to say, that was the most embarrassing day I have had in ages. And uh, it was all about failure. And... uh, So I'm going to talk a little bit about failure today. One of the the neatest things that happened that day. Honestly, uh, I'm I'm shy anyway. And to have that happen to me in public made me want to go into the room and close the door and not see anybody for the rest of the day. Okay? In walks a young sergeant. He's probably 25, 26 years old. And I'm thinking, oh. Stay out. I really don't want to see anybody today. I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm discouraged. I just don't want to, you know. And in walks this sergeant, and he walks over to me. He's got red hair. I'll never forget this kid. I'll never forget it. He walked over to me, and he looked at me, and he said, Are you okay? And I said, No, but thank you for asking. I appreciate you asking. And he says, I'll be right back. And he, came, he went out, did something, came back in. And he said, uh, Chaplain O'Brien, he said, you need to understand something. This is not forever. You can do this. We believe in you. And we know you can do it. And uh, so let's just start working on it. And by the end of this time, by the end of the time that we have, you'll run it in a good time. The kid walked out. He'll never know. He will never know what that meant to me. I sat there thinking, here are all these older, more experienced. And when I walk around the hallways, they're avoiding eye contact with me because they know I have failed. And they know it's embarrassing to me. And this young kid walks into my office unafraid. Don't worry, chaplain. It's okay. It'll be all right. You'll work through this. You'll learn. And the truth is, um, a miracle happened the other day. You ready for this? 
Not the mile and a half yet. I'm getting to that one. The, uh, the miracle that happened was that I got on the same training machine that I was on not too long ago. And, I, I, you know, I, st- I still go into the same workout place where everybody else go- goes, all my friends, who know that I have failed the test. And uh, that same redheaded kid was right next to me the other day when I was on the elliptical machine. And I'd already run for uh, two miles. And now I'm on the elliptical machine and I'm doing this thing. And I thought, you know, I just need to not think about this. It's hurting. It hurts. It's painful. It stinks here. Okay? And I started doing this exercise. And it usually, I can, after I run, I can only usually do it for about five minutes. And by the end of the time that I'm doing it, my heart rate is normally about 170 because I'm, you know, trying to push it. And uh, I, I got on the machine and I started singing a song to myself. I heard an old, old story about a Savior came from glory. <laughs> Victory in Jesus. Now, I wasn't singing, okay, out loud, obviously. <laughs> but I was doing a cadence with it. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me, He bought me. And I started going through this. And by the time I looked down at my, the numbers on the machine, I was at 15 minutes, and I wasn't tired. And then I'm, I'm oh, that works. Take my mind off of it, Jesus. And, I'm, and I start, and I get to the end of it. And here's, here's the miracle part. Not that I wasn't tired. The miracle part is I look down at my blood, or my pulse rate. Remember I told you how high it normally is? It was 103. I have never done that in my life. And I thought to myself, well, there is help. God is helping me. Now, the, the, the bad thing about this is that when I was going through the, uh, the running and all that kind of stuff, I asked, uh, I asked for prayer. And my friends began to pray for me. And when they, when they prayed, you, know, they just, you, you could tell, you know, Pastor, we're behind you. We're behind you. We're, you know... We're praying for you. And they began to pray really hard for me. And uh, the minute that the result of the test came out, I called Lori. <laughs> and I said, she goes, did you pass? And I said, uh, no. I wasn't as close this time as I was the last time. I failed. And I, what was going through my mind the entire time that I was telling this to Lori was, all those people have been praying, and they're going to think that, oh, God didn't answer this prayer. And I want to tell you something this morning that is very important for you to understand, okay? God did, did hear your prayer. He did hear your prayer. He said no. That's the difference. I'll tell you some lessons I have learned from this horrifying experience. <laughs> Number one, when you fail publicly or, or privately and are embarrassed, your friends don't know what to say to you and they avoid eye contact. That's a common thing. Number two, three weeks is not enough time to train for a mile and a half run. <laughs> Which is why the Lord said to me, no. I'm not going to bring a miracle where you haven't given your best effort. 
That's embarrassing. Even for younger people with longer legs. I keep giving excuses why I don't run the run so well. And I keep saying, hey, you know, come on. You know, this person's got a 36-inch inseam. Mine is 26. They're running like bump, bump, bump. I'm going, I feel like a poodle, you know. Embarrassment, number three, made me want to isolate myself from everyone, even those who could help. Number four, when you go to the Father for a running miracle, make sure you have done your best to train, because God may say, no miracle today, bucko. You haven't done your part. Number five, complaining or getting mad at God for saying no is fruitless. Number six, one of the best lessons of the day came from a young sergeant, and I told you about him. When he came to my door and he asked me if I was okay, he didn't avoid me. He just came in and wanted to know how I was doing. This is all going to come back to a point. Number seven, the prayers of my friends and family were answered. God said no. The words of David ringing in my ears, I will not give anything to God that has not cost me something. I didn't do my best, and I know it, and God knows it, and now the general knows it. (laughs) He is a wise and good father. He deserves credit for being a good father. There are some things that have been said over, over time about failure. Edison, Thomas Edison said, Many of life's failures are men who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Abraham Lincoln said, My great concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content in your failure. Henry David Thoreau said, If we be quiet and ready enough, we shall find compensation in every disappointment. Vince Lombardi said, in great attempts, it is glorious even to fail. Robert Schuller said, failure doesn't mean that you're a failure, it just means you haven't succeeded yet. B.C. Forbes said, history has demonstrated that most notable winners usually encountered heartbreaking obstacles before they triumphed. They won because they refused to become discouraged by their defeats. Colin Powell said, There are no secrets to success. It is a result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. Frank McKinney said, There is no failure except in no longer trying. There is no defeat except from within. No really insurmountable barrier save only your own inherent weakness of purpose. Alexander Graham Bell said this, When one door closes, another door opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the ones which opened for us. Vince Lombardi again. Here's another one. Once you agree upon the price you and your family must pay for success, it enables you to ignore the minor hurts and the opponent's pressure and the temporary failures. Many words have been said about failure. Failure means the act or result 
of failing. That, that really helps me. But I'll tell you what, the, the synonyms that they added in with the definition, they helped me. Because it sounded like names that they were calling somebody. How about uh, bust, failing, lemon, dud, defeat, fiasco, fizzle, wash out, debacle, muff. To fail means to, to be or become ineffective or unsuccessful. Be lacking in an effort or attempt. Listen to these synonyms. To fizzle, to flop, to bite the dust. I've never heard this one. To come a cropper. Whatever that means. I have no idea what that means. To lose endurance or strength. To decline. Here's some synonyms here. Deteriorate. Ebb. Droop. Now this, <laughs> as you get older, things start drooping. But, but uh, wane, fade, dwindle, pine, to weaken. Now these are the dictionary definitions. But what does the Bible say? About failure. First, let me read a short scripture where David failed privately and God revealed it in a public and an embarrassing way. Nathan told a short story about a rich stock owner who stole the only lamb of a poor shepherd. You know the story. He had uh, relations with Bathsheba and uh, nobody but he and a few close servants knew about it. And so it wasn't going to be revealed. It's going to be hidden. It's a secret. It's a failure on David's part. He was involved not only in in adultery, but he was involved in murder. He helped murder the husband of Bathsheba. And he was going to keep it quiet. Quiet. Well, see, God has a way of bringing things to light. And he brought the, the, the prophet Nathan. Now, you understand, if you go into the king... And you reveal something to the king that he doesn't like, that he can take your head. You understand how courageous this was? He walked into the room and he told a little story. He said, um, there was a little shepherd boy. He had one lamb. There was a big stock owner. He had a bunch of, a bunch of stock. And, the, and the, the guy that owned all the stock, he saw the little lamb of the, of, the second, of the little shepherd. And he took that lamb from that shepherd. He stole it. And here is the scripture that, that is after that. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Now, his failure is public. And I'm sure at that moment, embarrassing. Now, David handled his failure extremely well. He went back to the Lord with a humble heart and received mercy from God. But he failed. The biblical sense of what to fail means is it has three basic connotations. Number one, to do or not to do something that was agreed upon. In God's case, 
He will not fail. In our case, I'm sorry, in God's case, He will not fail. In our case, uh, it is normally that we have failed to, to do what we were, we were uh, called to do. And the Hebrew word shagag means uh, to not complete the covenant, to not do what you were supposed to do. The second definition is adakimas, to fall short of the test. Now, that was my failure. I fell short of the test. This is more like running. Okay, and you, you didn't quite get the, the, the race completed. Number three, to shrink or be consumed. The, the Greek word means that, uh, uh, for example, my eye fails me. It's shrinking. It is not usable anymore. The two definitions that are used most in the scriptures are the first two. And the one that is used exactly the most is the first one. The breaking of the covenant between two people. That is what sin is. It is the breaking of the covenant between two people. It is not meeting up or not, not living up to the requirements or not living up to the things that you said you were going to do. Or not living up to what God requires of you. Whenever you fail in that manner, it is called sin. Okay? Now, here's the good news. Everyone, 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 without exception, fails. There's not one person in here that in some portion or some place in your life that you have not had a failure, which helps me a little bit. I can at least say, well, you know, I'm not the only one that has ever failed. Um, Whether it is a part of our body that fails or whether we fail a test or whether we fail to keep our agreement with God or all all humans at one time or another have failed. The sense most used in the Bible is that we fail to keep the agreement that is commonly called sin. There is an emotional fallout for, uh, for at least two of the definitions. You want to hear some of the fallout for your... You know what fallout is, right? It's what happens when you do fail. What happens to you when you fail? Number one, you feel guilty. Guilt, by the way, is not necessarily a bad thing. It comes when from an understanding of what is expected of you and falling short of the standard. When you fall short of, of the Holy, what the Holy Spirit wants, uh, uh, He comes up alongside of you and quietly reminds you of the biblical standard. You know what that means? That if you sin and you feel guilty, it's a good thing. The Holy Spirit comes up alongside of you and He's whispering in your ear, that is not the standard by which you live. The standard by which you live is a little higher than that. So don't be angry at the Holy Spirit if He ever makes you feel guilty. Because it's a gracious thing He's doing for you. Number two, embarrassment. Embarrassment is a pride issue. But it can, if taken properly, be a great motivator. I have run harder and faster than I have ever run on a long-distance run before in my whole life. 
Why? Because I am motivated. You know why I'm motivated? Because I don't want to be embarrassed like I was embarrassed in that run the last time. So, I mean, um, embarrassment can be a good motivator. When allowed to consume you, it can drive you to do the next thing. And that is isolation. Isolation is the devil's tool to get you away from all that can help you. This is a huge temptation, especially to those uh, to other, if others know of you and, and, and your failure. Even your friends can help you with this one. If they ignore, turn away because they, uh, they know and don't want to bring it up, it feeds the desire for isolation. I've got to be alone. I don't want to hear from anybody. I don't want to he- even hear good things. I just want to be by myself and be in my pity. <laughs> I'm alone and embarrassed and isolated. Self-doubt. Uh, I suffer with this sometimes. Now, not in every case, but in some cases, I think, is this possible? Can I, I don't think I could do this. Okay, Lori, you measure my legs, okay? I'm thinking, I'm thinking my legs are shorter than your legs, okay? And let's think about this logically here. If my legs are shorter than his legs, and we're both running at a, at a like kind of a loping, gone, running, just kind of run. then who do you think is going to be faster at running that kind of distance? And I kept saying that, I kept saying that, I kept saying that. You know what? And then there's a guy, ruined my theory. I, this guy comes in and he says, yeah, I've been in the army. He says, and no matter how long your legs are, you have to keep up. And so you can be just as fast as that guy with the long legs. And I've done it. I've run that. And then I won't tell you what the time was. But it, and because mine was like eight minutes past his time. And I said, well, there goes my theory. I'm not only embarrassed, I'm isolated, and I'm given excuses. Why? I'm this way. Have you ever heard excuses like that? When I come up and I yell at my wife and, and she goes, well, you need to change that. And I go, honey, live with it. I'm just that way. <laughs> and then she knocks me across the room. and I'm <laughs> You know, the truth is, no, you aren't. You're choosing to be that way. Excuses are not the answer. Ah. That self-doubt. Can I really do this? Here you must ask yourself, if God has set me on this path, does he really believe that I can accomplish it? The answer to this rhetorical question is a resounding yes. God will never give you an assignment that you cannot do with his help. Here's another one, a temptation to give up. This is my temptation all the way through the run, okay? My legs start cramping. My I get shin splints. I get all this kind. And and I'm thinking, I can't do this. And I stop and I start walking. Uh, One time I I I did the run. This is another young guy. And um, I'm doing. I'm running good, running good. You learn more about running. And you ever thought you'd learn, aren't you? Uh, I'm running, running, and I thought, ah, forget it. And I, and I stopped. And along, they assigned somebody to be in last place with the last place person, which tells you 
where I was at. <laughs> he runs up behind me and he puts his hand on my back and he says, no, 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 no. Not stopping now. Come on, let's go. I'm like, oh, don't push me, man. He says, no, 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 no. I mean, he, I outrank him and he's younger than I am. I'm saying, get your hand off me. And, and he goes, no, 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 chaplain. No, you're not going to do this. You're going to keep running. And uh, there's a temptation to give up when you fail. Okay? There's a final one here. The final one is this. Anger and rage. <laughs> there's a temptation for that. God, I asked you for a miracle and you didn't provide it. Now, I wish you would provide a miracle of longer legs. That would be, you know, wouldn't that be cool, Brother Bennett? If, he, if I would sit down, you know how they used to pull the legs out? You know, if they would just pull them out about six inches, can you imagine how stupid I'd look? <laughs> Little tiny body, long legs. That'd look kind of goofy, wouldn't it? Oh. Sometimes I get angry because he doesn't answer my Request the way I want him to answer it. Let me give you a quote from James about anger. Here's what it says. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. That tells you this, that anger is not the answer. Now, folks, if you've ever suffered with anger and have said to yourself, hey, I can't help it. I'm just Irish. (laughs) I've said that before. (laughs) I'm Irish. Irish always have hot tempers. Yeah, I, I can't help it. You know, no, that's not true. It's, it's a lie. Okay, anybody can help their own anger. When you fail, you usually take a, a beating from inside and from outside. The outside usually comes from Job's comforters. <laughs> have you ever had Job's, Job's comforters come after you have failed? Yeah, I ran this run and... and uh, and I'm, t- I'm talking to somebody about it. And I said, well, I'm just you know, having a hard time getting up to that, the time. And, and they look at me and went, you got to be kidding me. That's all the faster you can run that? <laughs> that really helped. <laughs> Job's comforters, they're everywhere. They can give all kinds of answers to you. Okay, and the other beating comes from inside. The examples of failure, Adam and Eve, Cain, Saul, David, Solomon, Jonah, Judas, Peter. There are so many examples of failure, you can't believe it. The difference is, in their stories, is what each one of them did with their failure. Okay? i got some good news for you. God wants you to succeed. That's good news. It's good news to me as a runner. It's good news to you as a Christian. It's good news. God wants the best to happen for you and for you to be successful in your Christian walk and in your spiritual life. Listen to this scripture. In Luke chapter 22, it says this. He's talking to Simon. Jesus says, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when do you have turned back? Strengthen your brothers. Now that's an important scripture. When I have prayed for you, uh, and, and Simon, and your faith, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Your high priest prays for your success. What is 
The fact that we have a high priest mean? What does that mean? It means we can't get to God except through Him. He is the high priest. He takes your needs and your prayer requests to God the Father. And He is your priest. He prays for your success. We are taught by Jesus how to encourage those who have failed. I looked up the word for encouragement, sterizo. And uh, it means to turn resolutely in a certain direction or to confirm. Okay, in other words, when someone else fails, the idea is not to uh, laugh. The idea is not to avoid. But the idea is to step up beside them as a friend and say, come on, I'm running with you. Let's go. That's encouragement. And he was telling Peter, Peter, I've prayed for you. Satan wants to take, you know, take you apart piece by piece. But I'm praying for you. And you're going you're gonna to be successful. When you are successful, here's what I want from you. I want you to reach back. And I want you to help the other brothers that are running with you. Encourage them. Stand by them. Stand firm. Help them to be successful. You do not have to live in your failure. Your high priest has provided a way out for you that is easier than you might think. If we, it says here, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know how you feel, and I can't, I can't judge how you feel, but... It is a good thing that I can come and acknowledge to the Lord. We talked this morning about being naked. Now, I'm not talking about the real naked, okay? But you understand what I mean. Sometimes we have to come before God with nothing in front of us. With nothing, nothing hidden. Just the naked truth. Come before God now I've got your imaginations all going, haven't I? I had a guy one time that, that when I, and I, some of you have already heard this, but I, had, I was preaching in Newberry Springs, and I preached, and, and uh, I said, now if you worship in the way that you feel comfortable worshiping, and he came up to me afterwards and said, hi, my name is Harry, and I worship in the nude. I chuckled because I thought he was kidding. He was not kidding. He said, no, 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 we all get together, we all worship in the nude. And I said, oh, man, have I opened Pandora's box. What did I do? I can't believe I've said this. And he, and, and he literally, we had to go, to, he offered to several of the ladies in the church, hey, come worship with me in the nude. And they came and told me about it. And I went, oh, man, you know what that means? I've got to go confront this guy. Oh, I go to, he lived in a caboose. Yeah, there you go. I went to his caboose house. I opened up, or I mean, he, I knocked on the door. He opened the door, and truthfully, he worshiped in the nude. Stood there in front of me, and he says, Would you feel more comfortable if I put something on? I said, Absolutely. <laughs> he covered himself up. I do not mean that you can worship in the nude. Okay, what I do mean is this. When you come before God, 
There should be nothing between you and him. You want to hear what, what can come between you and him? When you are so angry with somebody that you can't worship. When you hold a grudge so tightly that you can't open your hands to offer yourself to him. Friends, everybody suffers failure and everybody is in this place one time or another and you have to come without reservation, naked before God. And when you do, here's the pleasant thing. There's, there's a verse we read this morning. Adam and Eve were naked and were not ashamed. When you come to the Lord naked, without your stinking pride, without all those things that bind you, the sins that so easily beset you, it's a pleasant thing and you're not ashamed. Now here's the, here's the trick. I'm looking around the room and I don't know anything about your family life. I don't know anything about your life, as a, your personal life and it really doesn't matter that I, that I do know that. What matters is this. God knows. And if you are hiding something, don't be fooled. You are still naked before God. You're just naked and embarrassed. You need, more than anything else, to come before God and and lay down the things that hinder you. You say, well, Pastor Steve, I have failed so many times, and I'm embarrassed to say that I failed. Do you think for one minute (laughs) that I wanted to tell you I can't ask you to do something that I haven't done myself. And the truth is, I would rather you have not known all the embarrassment that I suffered. But there are people in this church, I don't know who you are, but I know it because God has put this on my heart, that are hiding and embarrassed. And they don't want to show or they don't want to make the step towards spirituality because if they do, they know they have to confess to God what they have done wrong. I'll tell you something. I'm as proud as most of you. I do not want to admit failure. I do not want to admit that I've done anything wrong. But the truth is, until I come to God admitting my failure, admitting the things that make me embarrassed and that make me want to isolate myself, you know, you can be isolated right in this room. I can be talking over here and the people can all be looking and right over here in this corner, I'm going to pick on Michael, right over on Michael's corner over here, there could be a person who is uh, embarrassed, who, who has uh, failed in some way and there's, they don't want to come before God and, and they're isolated. They're all by themselves even, though, even while they're here. Their sin has isolated them. Oh, if I told you, you would never... Look at me in the same way. (laughs) You're never going to look at me the same way, are you? Little short legs, okay? Um, I brought something in, 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 um, in, just to kind of celebrate the, uh, you think, Steve is the only one with a, with a, um, this is my snail. (laughs) This is what I am. 
when it comes to long distance. But the truth is, even though I failed, my Father cares about me. He loves me. He wants you to be successful. He wants me to be successful. And He's helping me. Believe me. He's with my help and His help together. We're working it. Okay? Now, if you are in that place where failure has made you be isolated, where a sin has done something to you to make you feel like, I cannot come to God because He will not forgive me. God loves you. He loves you so much that no matter how much you have failed, He is the one that will step into the room and say, Are you okay? Are you all right? Let me help you. Let me walk through this with you. That is a God who loves you. Yes, God loves you with an unbelievable love. If you want someone to pray with you, I encourage you to enlist a friend or send me an email at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. I'll pray with you. Now, if you'd like Pastor Steve O'Brien to contact you, let me know that, and I'll pass your email address along to him. Don't forget, this is the only time that this podcast will go out on the regular LifeSpring feed. To listen to future shows, you'll be able to download them from lifespringonline.com slash Sunday. Or you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast. And the feed information for that will be available at lifespringonline.com slash Sunday. Or the regular LifeSpring podcast show notes page at lifespringpodcast.com. Now, this podcast is sponsored in part by GoDaddy, and you can save 10% off any purchase by using the code LS1 when you place your order. When you use that code, of course, you're saving money and you're helping to support the LifeSpring Podcasts. This has been an InTouch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight.